when you note what you're noting, it's because there is not yet equity. There is not yet equitable contributions for people of color and artists of color. We're not there yet. We are not there yet where it all means the same thing for everyone. So what I would say is let's just acknowledge that. Hello and welcome to Acting Up, the podcast that dives deep into the world of TV and film that highlights our people, our communities, and our stories. I'm your host, Courtney Wills, Entertainment Director at The Grio, and this week we're speaking with Devon Franklin as we discuss the 2021 Oscars. So Devon Franklin is a man of so many talents. You may know him as Megan Good's husband. You may know him as an author of many, many books, a producer, someone who's been at it since 2003. He's the president and CEO of Franklin Entertainment Production Company, which has a multi-year first look deal with Paramount, a second look deal at Netflix, an overall deal over at CBS. So really a busy man who's been moving around navigating Hollywood for a very long time. And he's also a governor at large at the Academy. A few months back, I spoke to Devon after the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences unveiled a new set of inclusion standards for Best Picture Oscar contenders. And Devon was really instrumental in creating those guidelines that are meant to help ensure that underrepresented groups have a chance to be recognized at the Academy Awards. We have him here today on Acting Up to walk us through what's happening with this year's nominees, how he feels about the strides being made or lack thereof when it comes to the Academy and the industry as a whole, really kind of rising up to stand behind some of the declarations that they've made, some of the intentions that they have communicated and some of the goals that they've set. Are they working? Are they not? Is the needle moving? And we're also six years out from Oscars So White. And that hashtag, of course, really kind of launched the kinds of conversations that we're having here constantly on Acting Up into the mainstream. And and the Oscars and the Academy, I will say, kind of embraced that movement. I don't know if you all remember, but last year's show was hosted by Janelle Monet, and her opening act was certainly in reference to Oscars So White. So the Academy has gone through great efforts to at least communicate the ways in which they are trying to meet the moment and help change things for the better when it comes to Hollywood and our equity there. Devon, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I know we've spoken before about the work that you've been doing over with the Academy, largely, I think, as a response to issues of diversity that Hollywood is contending with. And we spoke a few months ago about what some of those initiatives would be and about you taking more of a leadership position in some of those initiatives. And here we are now, we've got the nominees announced for the 2021 Oscars. And I really kind of wanted to talk to you about where it's been and how it's going when it comes to the Academy. I think we are coming up on the six-year anniversary of the Oscar So White hashtag, which of course kind of launched this conversation into the mainstream. And unlike some other areas of the industry, I think the Academy has really embraced some of the criticism about the Oscars and just about the industry in general. And we saw that last year in Janelle Monae's opening, right? Like she hit it head on, she sang a song about Oscar So White. 
And I think that the not shying away from the issues is what has helped me be really intrigued by what all you guys are doing. Uh-huh. And I wanted to take this opportunity and have you here to hopefully answer some questions that I've seen from some of our listeners and readers about the Academy. Yeah. Talk a little bit about, you know, what is the Academy? Who are they? Like, what is this mysterious entity that makes all of these hugely impactful decisions? Sure. And where are you seeing progress and where are you hitting any road bumps when it comes to addressing these permeating longstanding issues about race in Hollywood? Sure. Great. Yeah. Love it. We cover it all. (laughs) (laughs) Not a problem. Let's do it. So first off, talk to me about like, what is your entry point? Why are you part of the Academy and what are you doing? Yeah, you know, I'm part of the Academy. Well, first and foremost, because I was invited when I got the invitation because of the prestige and the membership and the community that the Academy represents. I was like, yes, I'm in and I accepted membership and anything that I do or that I'm a part of, specifically when it's a member organization, I never like to be a part of something in word, but not in deed. So there are a lot of opportunities I've had to be involved with other organizations. And I just, if I can't actually make a contribution, then I usually just don't do it. And so for me, in accepting invitation to become a member of the Academy, that came with it responsibility to want to make a contribution. And, you know, I've been in Hollywood since I was 18 years old and done everything. I've worked my way up from intern to assistant to junior executive to senior executive. And so having navigated Hollywood, you know, as a Black man and navigated it relatively successfully, I've learned a lot about the challenges the industry faces around issues of representation and inclusion. And so when I accepted membership, I immediately wanted to make an impact in this area that I definitely felt that I could make an impact and that there was a need for some help in that way. And so that started with just being a part of the A2020 initiative through the executive branch. And the A2020 initiative is what came out of the Oscar So White hashtag. And so the Academy committed that over the course of five years, they would double the number of people of color and double the number of women that were members. And so I came into that to just help. And then ultimately in the last year, I chaired the overall initiative. And then while I was serving on the A2020 and making some strides there, then they came to me and asked me to be a governor at large. And I accepted that. Now I'm in the second year of a third year term of serving as a governor at large. And so the whole reason that I accepted membership was to make a commitment and to make an impact and to contribute. And so I've just been trying to continue to find ways to do that ever since. What is a governor at large? Like, what do you, what do you get? What is <laughs> well, basically, a governor at large, so there, there are 54 governors that are voted by the members of the various branches. And the three governors at large are selected not by the branches. They're usually selected by the academy leadership. And they are a part of the A2020 initiative because what we were seeing is that if you don't have diverse membership, you're not going to have diverse governorship. And so the inclusivity isn't always representative at the governor level in the ways that it needs to in order for there to be progress. So the three governors at large allow for the academy to ensure that there are inclusive voices in the governor process. And so we are governors and we have the same authority as every other governor to vote and have a voice and to be a part of the leadership and help steward the direction of the academy. And who gets to be part of the academy? You mentioned that you were invited and we know your history in the entertainment game, but is it all a bunch of creatives? Can you buy your way in? Do you have to pass a test? Like what are the qualifications to being a member in this group that we now know you all have committed to diversifying? Who are they? 
Yeah, every branch has its own membership criteria. And usually the essence of the criteria is every year trying to identify the most excellent in their field that also has enough credibility and enough time in the business where they actually would merit membership consideration. And so if you're in VFX or if you're in the executive branch, the consideration is different. Being an executive, those requirements are different than they are if you're in the VFX branch, but the spirit of it is the same. You know, individuals who have made an excellent contribution mm -hmm. who are worthy of being in the academy because of the contribution they've made and to a degree, how much time they've been making that contribution in the industry. In the industry. These are not like, there's no doctors or journalists. Or you have to be, you know, in the motion picture industry. Now with how business is changing, it's like, okay, well, the definition of motion picture, that's still, you know, something that's, <laughs> that everyone's like, well, what is a motion picture these days? But by and large, you know, we all still are adhering to how we've been historically defining motion picture. And so there are multiple branches and each branch really represents some of the best of the business in that brand. And that's the goal. Okay, this is super helpful. So many people don't know how any of this stuff actually. Right. I know, I know. So I'm glad we get a chance to, to, you know, at least break it down as much as we can so people can just get a, a, a layperson's understanding of how it works. Exactly. Another thing that I don't think people are clear on is how a project even gets in the running. When I talked to you a few months back, you guys had unrolled these new guidelines, right? Like these new criteria for being able to qualify as an Oscar contender. And some of those had to do with the diversity of the people mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. worked on the project. There were all of these kinds of benchmarks. And we know about that. But before we get there, how does any movie get on y'all's radar? to right. vote on as succinctly as you can. Like, what is that short list, right? Because this year was the year where I was really paying attention to all of these kind of short lists that came out prior to the actual nominations announcement. So what are those all about? Like, how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so there is an eligibility period and then there are eligibility requirements. Ultimately, the members get a chance to review and consider all of the films during that calendar year that are eligible. And that eligibility has been pretty much standard. I mean, this year was a little bit different because we had to modify some things relative to COVID, but every year there are eligibility requirements in an eligibility period. And if your movie meets the requirement and it was released during the period, then you can get consideration. And then also we just created the Academy Screening Room. I think we're in its, its second year and it's really taking off. And the Academy Screening Room allows every studio that really wants to put their movies up for consideration. And once they pass the eligibility requirement, they pay a fee and they're able to go up on the Academy Screening Room. And that Academy Screening Room is available to all the members. So all the members now get a chance to go on this app and watch all the different movies that are being put forth for consideration. Normally in previous years, when the Academy Screening Room didn't exist, there was this thing called screeners where DVDs were sent to all the members. And then also there were a lot of screenings that were happening in person. And so, you know, you would have to either watch the right. screener or go to the movie theater to see a movie. And now with the screening room, you know, it's been a great way to ensure that there is a wide array of consideration for all different types of movies. And so the process, when you talk about shortlist, that's not something we as the Academy have much to do with at all. The Oscars is a conversation that usually drives award season. And so there are so many publications around the world that watch movies and go to festivals and come up with their early lists. And that is nothing that we participate yep. in. 
most of that is handled by outside journalists that want to try to get a scoop on where they think the heat is going, so to speak. But what we're seeing, and I'm, I'm really excited about what, you know, just from my vantage point, is that in the past, independent of now having the screening room, a lot of times those outside lists do drive the conversation. What we're seeing, though, is because now members have more access to all of the films, that members themselves are watching the movies and, you know, we are making up our own minds about what works. And yes, don't get me wrong, that, you know, sometimes you'll see mm-hmm. some things on a short list and you'll say, oh, okay, that's interesting. But when you look at the diversity of the type of nominations this year, that has a direct impact to the membership being able to watch all the films and being able to level the playing field when it comes to excellent consideration. Because at the end of the day, that's what's at the core of when you talk about the awards and representation and inclusion. For me and for us, it's really about broadening the aperture for excellence, right? Like when excellence is synonymous with whiteness, we have a problem, right? So when it's like, no, 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 no. We have to broaden that aperture and we have to give greater consideration because there's a lot of people making excellent art in front of the camera, behind the camera, that if we just gave them consideration, you would see that it's as equally as good as anything else we would determine to be good. And so I think this year is a step in that direction where we're seeing the more consideration, the broader the aperture, and the more we can get the type of nominations that we Yes, absolutely. And you know, that's interesting. That made me think of something else that I don't think is very clear to people. We talk about, and we hear about studios campaigning hard for a film, right? And I think people think of it like an election, like, okay, well, then whoever has a bigger marketing budget (laughs) is going to be on the list of contenders. But It really is. I mean, you're one person, right? You get a vote for the Oscars. You can't watch every single movie in life that comes out. So what you as a voter even have the time to consider, I would imagine, is at your own discretion. So are you saying that, you know, those lists and those stories and those early chatter and the critics' responses, like that sometimes helps inform or influence what the voters are able to decide to prioritize or think about about watching. Sure. So it's more about curation, right? So those lists that you're Mm -hmm. referring to, they help curate and to take, you know, a vast field and say, okay, here are the movies that are getting conversation. Now, again, I go back to the Academy Screening Room. What happens though, is that when you open that app, you then can curate, you, you say, oh, well, I hadn't heard about this one movie, is it? Oh, okay. So yes, there's no doubt that those outside lists, you know, do help with the curation. But at the end of the day, when you're going on that app, you get a chance to really pick and choose and evaluate the movies that you may have not have known about because they weren't on a list, but you want to give consideration to. So, you know, it's about a push and a pull and it's about balancing, right? And the reason why we do so much advocacy and why we're so passionate about representation and inclusion is to make sure that it gets into the water of the membership. And again, I also want to be clear, the Oscars is one albeit a big part, but one part of the Academy. It's not the entire Academy. But we understand that it is the lighthouse and so understood all the attention that comes with that. But the goal is that when members sit down to make consideration for the Oscars, that if we've done a good enough job around this conversation internally, that when they sit down and they're watching movies, that that is a part of how they are 
evaluating and looking. And the other thing I will say is that the reason why it's not just about who has the most money is because you can't buy it because it's, it shows itself. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, like you can tell if, if someone is trying to buy consideration. So it's a nuance, it's a process, but like literally if you say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go spend, you know, $10 million or however much money for the film that I've got. If the film itself doesn't have merit, it doesn't matter. And that's one thing that in my experience, that the members take this very seriously. They watch the movies and it's not about who had the biggest spin. I mean, look at last year, look at Parasite. That movie was not a movie that had the biggest spin, but it was great. It was excellent. Look at even Moonlight years before. So if you have a great film and it's undeniably great, that is the biggest thing that can be done to get some sort of consideration around this time and for the awards. So let's get into these 2021 nominations. Number one, maybe you could hire me to do something because I want to be on the Academy. I'm so good at predicting what is going to happen. Like I- Are you serious? Oh my God, yes. Don't make me do it right now on Acting Up, but I have been right about like the nominees, the ones that win. Like I'm really good at being right about these things. Okay. When I saw this list of contenders this year, I was not surprised by anything except I thought the Five Bloods might do better. I know, right? In this climate, I thought yeah. that the Five Bloods yeah. might do better than it did. I thought Delroy might carve out a space I know. for himself. I but know. like Judas, I saw Judas in 2020, like early, like September, way before anybody else. And I saw it by myself on my computer. And I was like, this is going to be all over <laughs> the list. And at the time, I didn't have any insight into the marketing. I didn't have any insight into the publicity yeah. around it. There were no critic reviews, but sometimes you can just feel it. And not only, okay, this is good. But like, no, this has the stuff. This has the components that tend to make up the best yeah. picture contenders or a best actor. You know, I could feel it. Yeah. It had the stuff in it. And so many people, when the nominees were announced this year, were shocked to see that Daniel and Lakeith were up for the same award. We got so many questions about that. I got so many DMs. What are you talking about? And my answer is, well, number one, look at the title, right? Sometimes the title has a lot to do with who's considered the star. Right. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom Everyone's like, that was Chad's movie. Like he was the main character, but Ma Rainey, right? Like Viola is Ma Rainey. You've got Judas and the Black Messiah. They're both in the title. Yeah. So my response, my inclination was, number one, I actually do know how the voting works, but I'm going to ask you to clarify. I know that it's not like check a box for supporting and check a box for best. It's an acting nomination. So you can break that down. But my inclination, my reaction was they're both in the title. So they're technically co-stars, which mm -hmm. means they're both supporting each other. Right, right. No, it's a great way. I mean, that's a very simple way to look at it. And it's so clear. It's like, oh yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. I think this is an important thing for people to really understand is that every branch, when it comes to nominations and it comes to their categories that they're nominating, you know, take the process very seriously. And it's not a math equation. It's a conversation. It's like, okay, wait, what was the intent here? How does this work? And especially when it comes to the acting branch, because we know historically, this is not the first movie where there's been some questions about 
well, was this role really a leading role or a supporting role? And a lot of that just comes down to the process of conversation that happened within the branch about, to your point, trying to understand like, well, when you watch that movie, who is the lead of the movie? You know, like, and I've, and I've seen the movie. I love the movie. I, I yeah, don't, yeah. It's, it's a good question, right? They because it's are. like, you can see, yeah, they both are, you know, totally, because they both have stakes in the film. They both need each other to tell the story. But in terms of how this happens, it's a conversation within the branch, trying to do the best job they can do to really, one, acknowledge the performance, and then two, try to contextualize what is the best category for that performance to be recognized in. And so these things do happen. And so when you think of all the conversation that you've gotten and the conversation I've gotten around it, it just comes down to the process. And the process is not like, hey, check a box for, for supporting, check a box for lead. It really gets down into a conversation in that branch. And the members of that branch made a decision that that was the best way to contextualize and honor their performances was through the supporting category. I have this theory that works out for me because like I said, I'm really good at <laughs> forecasting the winners. Okay. But it feels like there's always a theme, like a vibe. Like one year it might really be films focused on like the LGBTQ experience. There seem to be a lot of them. There seem to be a lot of good ones and they seem all to be part of the conversation. Sometimes it's race. Sometimes it's, you know, different things. This year for me, I felt like it was the year of actual living icons on screen. We saw that in One Night in Miami, yeah. United States versus Billie Holiday, yeah. Judith and the Black Messiah, yeah. Molly's Black Bottom. Yeah. We had all these really compelling projects that kind of centered historical figures mm -hmm. in these films. And I wondered if you ever noticed that. Do you ever get that vibe? Like, okay, this is the year that this subject matter is going to do really well. Do you get a sense throughout the year when you start seeing them? I have to, to really think about it off the top. No, I, not necessarily. Every year comes with it, surprises and different things. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I don't necessarily think that because there's a pattern of a certain type of movie that may be getting made in that particular eligibility period, that then that pattern informs the direction that the votes are going to go. I haven't seen that, mm -hmm. but I, I, you know, again, you're the guru. So, right. you know, I'm going to have to study it the way Let you have, it. right? <laughs> <laughs> Does when in the year you see the film affect how likely you are to consider it when you're narrowing down your choices? Do you narrow down your choices? Do you vote for them all at once or... Do you get a whole year to be taking mental notes when you see things like, yeah, that was really powerful or that really made an impact? Or is it like, okay, it's November and this was the eligibility period. Think about all the movies that you watched and make your vote. Does it matter when you saw them as far as keeping your attention? The main goal, and you're hitting on a great point, the goal is for that every film that is worthy of consideration should get that consideration no matter when during the eligibility period they are distributed. Mm -hmm. So in theory, that is the goal. And the Academy Screening Room is a great way to help make good on that goal because, you know, movies have been submitted and put up on the screening room much outside of the traditional period. Let's say when we didn't have the screening room and you're just watching films, a lot of times you're right. Like historically, films released in the fall are the ones that are deemed Oscar worthy. And there's a lot of attention put around that. But now what we're seeing, especially with the screening room, that 
films that are being released all during times of the year. I mean, look at Minari. That movie has gotten consideration and that didn't fall in the traditional window per se. Mm -hmm. So what I love is when you look at even a movie like Get Out, that movie wasn't released during the traditional period. That was released at the beginning of the year. So yes, there is a change that's happening, which we are excited about this change because we want films to be able to get consideration no matter what period of time of year they release, as long as they're eligible. And also, I think that this year, because of COVID and people being home, that it has actually helped tremendously because it didn't really matter what time of year the movies came out. To be honest with you, we were just watching them on the app. Like, I, I couldn't tell you when some of these release dates were just because we're watching them through the app yeah. as so many other people were. Yeah. So I do think that it's really important for the filmmakers and to honor, you know, this artwork that we as an academy continue to do everything we can to make sure that any film released during that eligibility period gets consideration. That's really important. And also it just allows for during the year, for me, I'm tracking during the year. I'm not waiting until the holidays to determine the movies I like. I will you know, say, oh, I like this film. Let me mark that down. Let me mark that down. So that you're right. When it does come to voting, one, I don't want to forget any movie that I've seen, but also I want to make sure that I'm tracking movies throughout the year so that when it's time for me to vote, I'm making sure that I'm bringing to that vote a consideration of everything that I've seen. Did you see Miss Juneteenth? Of course I did. In my heart, I like was like secretly like maybe she'll, oh. maybe she'll get it. Yeah. I, I didn't think enough people would see it and enough people didn't see it that festival circuit. But it was my favorite movie of Sundance. What was that? I guess a year ago. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, Nicole's amazing. I just met with her recently. She is, she's incredible. And the movie was incredible. I met with Channing. Yes. yes, met with Sorry. her. Yeah, it's so good. It's so yes. good, you know. And and listen, what I will say is that talent, it's always going to win. Meaning, even in a year where, let's say, a Miss Juneteenth didn't get the consideration, Channing is talented, Nicole is talented, they will be back. Yeah, I think so too. That's what I thought about. Hey, so Regina, people are pissed that Regina King is not right. up for best director, but just like the mathematics of me and maybe you as an Academy member can, you know, confirm or deny my line of thinking. But for me, I'm like, look, they kind of made history in that category this year, having two women nominated, uh -huh. period. Like that never happens ever for best director. Regina's movie was beautiful, but it was her first one. So to me, just like if I was looking at this like a sport, right? It's like that freshman is dope, like dope, 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 dope. Mm -hmm. And he might even be as good as that star mm -hmm. senior. But in the big game, like if you can only put one in, you're probably going to put not that freshman because that freshman still has time. And if she started out like this, think about where she could go and I didn't think that it was a dig at Regina to not be nominated. I thought it would actually be like a much more dramatic statement for a first time director who is a black woman mm -hmm. to be on that very, very short list. Right. But I think what you just said made me think of Regina. I think she will be back. This was her first feature film yeah. and almost perfectly new. Yeah, no, listen, I, I think she will be back. She's amazing, incredible, you know, filmmaker, no doubt. And, and listen, I hope, you know, again, it's not like we interview every, every member to dissect, okay, why did you yeah. vote this way? Why you didn't? So there's a lot of surprises that happen. And I hope that what you said is not true. Here's what I mean. I hope that someone's age in their career, whether they're a first-timer or a second-timer or a 10-timer, I'm hoping that 
the evaluation is made on the merits of their art and what they did. Yes, I believe the talent's going to be back without a doubt, but I'm hoping that the membership doesn't hold that against people. Let's make sure that every film that's worthy of consideration gets the best consideration. And then if that consideration takes them to winning the award, let's not hold these arbitrary things against any artist. That's my hope. And if we're not there yet, my hope is that we move in that direction. Yeah. Oh, I hate that I have to let you go, but I do. I want to wrap up and ask your opinion about something that, you know, is just kind of apparent, which is that it seems that the effect of an Oscar nom or an Oscar win on Black creators is not the same effect necessarily that we see it having on their white counterparts. Yeah. I've heard so many and spoken to so many nominees and winners who have said that on record, whether it's the fact that Octavia Spencer still needs Jessica Chastain to speak up for her to get a similar paycheck on the same project. When Jessica Chastain, last time I checked, never won an Oscar, but you know, Octavia has. Or that Viola Davis has been very vocal about the fact that, no, the needle didn't move. I think Gabor Sidibe said, you know, the seas did not part for me the way that they did for Anna Kendrick. We were nominated the same year, same category. Halle Berry, same. Have you since Monster's Ball seen her in a role that in any way kind of reflects or measures up to that? No. Why do you think that that is? Mm -hmm. Listen, I'll be the first one to tell you that this business has a long way to go. That when it comes to equity, when it comes to representation, when it comes to consideration, like I said, I've been in the business for 25 years. So I've seen a lot. And even with all the progress this business has made, when you note what you're noting, it's because there is not yet equity. There is not yet equitable contributions for people of color and artists of color. We're not there yet. We are not there yet where it all means the same thing for everyone. So what I would say is let's just acknowledge that, right? We are not in a utopian business where everything is how we all want it to be. And there's still prejudice we're working through. There's still unconscious bias that we're working through. There's still sometimes this idea that one is more valuable than the other. And every single day we have to continue to fight against that notion because it's not true. Here's the other thing that I would also say. I personally believe that the awards are nice as a recognition of what is done, but I also believe that we have to keep moving forward anyhow. And I do agree with you when you look at the impact that some of the awards have had and people of color winning awards and not having the same bump. What I love about what you say about an Octavia or a Halle or a Viola is that they get up and they keep going and they work and they keep giving more of themselves to us. And that to me is such a powerful testament to who they are, that even in the face of these facts that you are laying out, it doesn't stop them from showing up and still giving us, the people, more of them, more of their art, more of their heart. But I do agree that we as a business have a long way to go. Look, I'm a Black producer. I can tell you every day the fights that I got to fight, you know, as a Black producer, you know, and as someone who's been around for a long time and has a track record of success, and there are still things that I have to fight. And I just do my best not to get bitter about it, not to get frustrated and say, okay, you know what? This is the way it is, but I'm committed to not allowing this to be the way it will always be. So that's why I serve as a governor. I do this work. I try to make a contribution because I do want to live in an industry where everyone is treated equally and gets an equal bump for their work, consideration for their work, and acknowledgement that goes along with that.
Devon, thank you so much for joining me today on Acting Up and breaking down, you know, really the nitty gritty of what goes into these Academy Awards. I think it's so cool that our listeners get to hear it straight from you. And I'm really appreciative of the work that you're doing at the Academy to really move the needle when it comes to contending with these longstanding issues. Uh, Thank you, Courtney. My pleasure. And I'll keep acting up as long as you do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later. This year's Academy Award contenders include several Black talents and lots of people that we're rooting for. Viola Davis is up for Best Actress for her role as Ma Rainey in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And Andra Day is nominated in the same category for her portrayal of Billie Holiday in The United States versus Billie Holiday. Judas and the Black Messiah is nominated for several awards, including Best Picture and Best Supporting Actor for both Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. It's also the first time that a Best Picture contender was produced by an all-Black team, so a little bit of history being made there. Chadwick Boseman is up for Best Actor for his role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Regina King's directorial debut, One Night in Miami, is up for Best Adapted Screenplay. Kemp Powers did that, which was amazing. We also have them nominated. I think Leslie Odom Jr. is up for Best Supporting Actor and Best Original Song. Pixar's Soul scored a nomination for Best Animated Feature and Best Sound, and Her is also nominated for Best Original Song for Fight For You, which was featured in Judas and the Black Messiah. The Five Bloods got robbed in tons of categories, but it did manage to score a nod for Best Original Score for Terrence Blanchard. Keep your eyes on thegrio.com for interviews with a lot of people on that list and stay tuned for more coverage on the upcoming 93rd Oscar Awards. Thank you for listening to Acting Up. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcasts at thegrio.com. Follow us on Instagram at actingup.pod. Acting Up is brought to you by The Grio and executive produced by Courtney Wills and produced by Cameron Blackwell.